Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Mark Shields. Working with entrepreneurs through Business Link, Mark gets to spend his days helping people solve their problems. This can take widely different forms from client to client, which really keeps him nimble in strategy. Mark is able to offer some particular strategy around financials through his time studying accounting and methodically pursuing a CPA designation. So let's pop in and join Mark's conversation with Sophia Tang. Hey, take it away, Mark. Welcome, everyone, to the Rainforest Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast. My name is Mark Shields. I'm a strategist with Business Link, and I'll be the host today. I'm very happy to have with me Sophia Tang, who is the founder of CoRise, a very interesting company uh, working on reducing food waste in society, uh, in our community here. Uh, so yeah, very welcome, a uh, big welcome to you, Sophia, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to uh, chat on your podcast with you, Mark. Well, I'm very glad to have you. Uh, so why don't we start out, um, you know, just kind of describing a bit more about what drew you, draws you in the first place to this issue of food waste. Um, is there anything particular in your past that uh, kind of triggered this for you? Is it something that seemed like it grew gradually? And what, what's that background that led up to your founding of CoRise? Yeah, definitely. So food waste has always been ingrained in me since early childhood. Um, in my culture, I grew up in Hong Kong, so food waste was shunned upon on. It was never part of our culture. In our cuisine, we use as many parts of the food source as possible. So when we immigrated to Canada, it was a very big shock because um, it was just rampant everywhere. We also had, didn't have a lot of resources um, when we immigrated to Canada as well. Um, so we had to be you know, fairly resourceful and make sure that we, we stretch our dollars, my parents anyway. Um, I guess there was a one trigger point for me um, was that my parents worked, you know, two full time jobs. Um, you know, one of them was at convenience stores and they were made to throw up expired um, convenience store sandwiches. They weren't able to donate it to charities or anything. So they did a little bit of sneaky thing <laughs> because we have limited resources. And it was just ridiculous how much they were throwing away on a nightly basis. They um, brought it home. And I mean, that was my breakfast, lunch and dinner. And that was really a trigger moment for me and brought more awareness to me, um, especially living in Canada. So um, I guess to answer your question, it was definitely a gradual awareness, but there was a, a definite trigger point when we moved to Canada. Um, that was a pivotal moment. Um, I guess one of the things is that there's so much that's being discarded here in Calgary, in Canada, where you guys, um, or we, I should say, um, our aesthetics of food is so important and it's often discarded uh, or unwanted by the grocery stores. So, I mean, just in Canada, we lose about $49 billion, almost $50 billion every year. Um, so we're, we're just wasting 60% of our food. Um, and if you're talking about food waste in general, like in the environment standpoint, some say it's, you know, almost number one to the solution to global warming. 
Um, so yeah, that like all those facts, you know, from me growing up, um, from a cultural standpoint, from a limited resources standpoint, uh, it, it really let me up to this moment. Right. Yeah, it's a, I think it is a very relatable um, problem that uh, most of us, uh, I'm sure anyone listening and most people kind of observe, uh, certainly just from uh, going to grocery stores and um, eating at restaurants, just how much it gets it's tossed out when it's, uh, you know, perfectly um, edible. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a relatable problem for sure. Um, so I, I'm wondering then as well, if you can kind of elaborate on what your approach um, has been uh, to solving this problem, of course, that uh, comes in the form of uh, founding uh, a company, CoRise. Um, yeah, it, it seemed to me you can uh, help uh, fill in any blanks here, but uh, that, you know, some of those same sensibilities that come from uh, your background and your immigration experience might be what uh, kind of help you thrive in this uh, entrepreneurial solution, so to speak. Um, yeah, why don't you tell, help um, us understand a little bit the innovation that you've come forward with uh, for helping solve this problem? Yeah, definitely. So um, in, in a reduction to food waste, there's this thing called the food hierarchy. Um, every single level of government, they have this. And in order for us to reduce food waste as a society, we really should be reducing it from the top level. But I mean, it's, it's not going to be reduced anytime soon. So the next level would be to donate it, um, to feed it back to humans and people in need, um, and then to recycle it or perhaps give it to animal feed. Um, I found that to be really interesting is because, you know, some of the things that I found during my journey, um, I'm a big craft brewery, beer drinker here in Calgary. And uh, I found that in Alberta alone, there was approximately like over 70,000 kilograms of grains per day that are wasted just in the brewing process. So what they do is um, they remove the sugars out of the grains um, and then that is it. That's all they do. So if you're just thinking from maybe, I guess, in a simpler term, if you're thinking about how much grains are wasted just in the brewery industry alone in Alberta, uh, and just imagine a thousand kegs of them. A thousand kegs of grains are just being tossed away to the landfill and they're completely, um, they're human grade, they're nutritious, you know, they're like the best grain that you can possibly get in Western Canada or even in the Western Hemisphere. So I try to make sure that we keep it to human grade as possible. Um, what I try to do and what I'm currently doing right now is to find innovative ways to dehydrate these grains so they don't spoil. And it's only it's not limited to grains. It's um, it's everything. It's from the tomatoes from the farmers to any kind of produce that are just about to be the end of life. That's where I come in and that's where, you know, our organization, CoRise, comes in to rescue these foods, to make sure that they're converted into shelf-stable foods. So then people um, disadvantaged in society or just like normal, uh, normal everyday citizens can enjoy these foods and feel good about them, um, having a positive impact on the environment. So right now I'm currently working with some food scientists um, and some technology developers to see if there's a more innovative and energy efficient way to dehydrate all these ingredients um, before they spoil. So then we can have it shelf stable on grocery shelves and uh, even in simple things as baking ingredients. You know, one of the um, things that I really uh, pick up on when when you're describing the solution actually came um, you know, 
at the the start that I'm really curious uh, about how uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, who are trying to solve a problem the, the way that you are here must have to deal with, um, and that's with this uh, you know the idea that the problem from a social uh, from a societal level um, is so large that as you said there there's no um, you know real expectation that you have put on yourself to make it go away in essence right which i know would be the, the vision or the goal but does that ever feel like something that uh, feels like a challenge for you to overcome is it ever an impediment to the actions that you're taking uh, things like that like how do you reconcile that sort of scope of the problem to the the impact that you feel you're making yeah, that's a great question. I'm actually really encouraged by the work that's being done in the food waste space um, beyond just at Carolize level here locally and globally. Um, there are tons of organizations like Imperfect Food, Sound States, and around the world, even some of the um, nonprofit organizations like Second Chances Western Canada, or even here in Alberta. Um, I love Leftovers Foundation. They divert food that are normally wasted to different charities. Um, so there are tons of things that we're doing as a society. It just started maybe about a couple years ago where it's now the forefront. And I think in the last couple of years um, or even just the last couple of months, especially during COVID, it's really amped up the food waste issue. I don't know if you've seen some of the videos that were floating out there, but the supply chain um, from the farmers to the grocery stores, it were hugely impacted. And there was this video where, I think, you know, the potato farmers, they were just, you know, making pits into the farm or the landfill and they were just dumping like millions of pounds of potatoes because they had nowhere else to go. So I think um, I'm really encouraged by everybody's effort in the space, but we definitely have a lot more ways to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that makes uh, perfect sense kind of looking, uh, you know, around and taking that broad perspective of the, you know, the industry that you're working in there. Uh, makes me wonder if there's, uh, you know, maybe you want to cite any specific examples, uh, maybe something that, uh, you know, you sort of observed taking place before uh, you decided to launch into entrepreneurship here where you said that's a great idea or, or maybe someone you found since uh, that uh, that moment, uh, yeah, are there any kind of examples that uh, really spark your interest, uh, so to speak, out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, so a part of an organization that, um, that I'm with is called the Obstacle Food Association. So before I started on this journey, they had just, they were just an infancy stage. They didn't have any members. I think there were five founding members uh, globally. And when I came on board, when I was doing my research and uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to tackle this food waste issue on the local level and hopefully um, garner more attention and draw more awareness into our society and community. Um, I was the second Canadian member of this organization. And, and now I think looking at today, it's, um, there's over 80 members worldwide and it's growing every day. So with the new articles coming out, even Forbes, you know, national posts, they are, they're all getting media coverage on it. Um, that's a pivotal change in just the short year that I've been in this space. Um, one of the things I, uh, when I've been having these conversations that I, I like to ask and get to 
the bottom of is, you know, just from the, the perspective of getting a, a company going, you know, the, or whenever we're talking about uh, companies with a, a social or mission or a purpose driven uh, companies, you know, there's, there's that whole purpose aspect that of course is uh, you know, quite a challenge in and of itself. But just when it comes to um, establishing and running the, the day-to-day operations of your company, uh, how have you felt uh, that's um, kind of impacted you? Have you been caught by surprise by anything? Um, yeah, is there kind of anything innovative in that model? Or what's been your experience with the, the sort of uh, brass uh brass tax so to speak <laughs> so there's definitely i mean challenges um that i had to overcome and just pivot in my operations in just the last six months or a year alone um some of the examples um that i try to tackle um one of the things is obviously environmental and reducing food waste and for me um it, it's great to reduce food waste um in terms of baking fresh foods but i really want to make sure that i'm not contributing more to the problem because it's, it's almost like a, a vicious cycle, right? If I, if I upcycle food waste to fresh bread and I don't have enough people to buy the bread, then it goes back into the food waste loop. So I want to make sure that it is shelf stable, that um, there is a long life cycle and that is accessible to everybody, not just here locally within five blocks, um, that it could be accessible to anywhere um, if it is, let's just say, a dehydrated powder. Um, one of the things that I had to really overcome was sustainable packaging. So fighting the food waste issue and sustainable packaging, some might think that it's a easy fix, but it really isn't. And with our society, we haven't, um, we haven't, we don't have the technology to come up with uh, an innovative way to to recycle or compost as a whole. Um, when I was sourcing out, let's just say, compostable packaging. Uh, there has to be certain requirements, even here locally in Calgary, that it has to break down within, I think it was like seven to 10 or 14 days in our cycle, in a recycling system. And on that note, if it breaks down that fast, that is not going to help my shelf life at all. So I really had to battle those moments where I'm like, okay, well, you know, Mark, am I interested in sustainable packaging or I'm interested in reducing food waste? That is almost the number one global um, emission emitter out there. So I had to really go back to the drawing board and say, you know what, until there is a very sustainable package um, that will extend the shelf life of, uh, of my products, um, right now it's just not feasible. But that's not to say that I'm, I'm just giving up on that. Uh, I am working with a couple of the manufacturers to make sure that they are coming with sustainable, compostable, recyclable packages um, that can be, I guess, um, processed here locally in Calgary. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but there's like these crazy articles too, that only 9% of all recycled products in Canada are actually recycled. Most of them end up in landfill because the city doesn't have the capacity to process all of it. Or um, if it does say compostable, it's actually not fully compostable. It has to be in your backyard, which I don't know about you, but I don't have a backyard and I don't, I can't compost it. And if we just put it in the compost bin, it actually just gets diverted back to the landfill because our city cannot handle it. So that's one of the biggest challenge. I think anybody coming into the space, whether they're doing food, whether they're doing, you know, um, let's just say, uh, I don't know, toys. They When they're looking at sustainable packaging, that's going to be a huge challenge. But um, I'm also hopeful on that it's something that, um, I guess society 
is going to to demand、um, that we have more choices out there. I think that's a really fascinating point、um, that you highlight there. That is very, I would certainly imagine,、um, sort of cuts right across、uh, all kinds of different industries. Of、uh, again, kind of thinking about our, our purpose-driven.、Um, Companies that are, you know, have this one strong purpose that they're really focused on, but then that's, of course,、uh, you know, kind of running parallel to or, or、um, complementing、um, other aspects that you want to be focused on, like for you the sort of,、um, you know, plastic waste or, or how much、uh, stuff is ending up in landfills, and how do we,、uh, you know, when there comes to be a conflict between those two,、um, staying motivated、uh, does seem like it could be a really、uh, big issue. But it sounds like you've.、Uh, Done a good job,、um, you know, finding that that motivation. Does it feel like it's ever kind of a a struggle for you to sort of put one thing aside for the sake of the other? It definitely is a struggle, but I think a great way. I was part of.、Um, there's a local organization here. I'm going to give them a shout out called Momentum, and they have a,、uh, a Thrive program. I was part of the incubator program where they help social enterprises or social entrepreneurs. Um, that want to develop a business,、um, they they kind of help flesh out the idea. And one of the ways that I was really clear from my mission in the beginning was to reduce food waste to help the people in community. And you know, on the side note, we can talk about it later, but、um, it's animal companionship. But that are, those are my missions. So on, in those, I guess, crossroads, maybe that's a really good term for it. You really have to say, okay, what is the most important thing, and what is my mission, and what are my values, what are my non-negotiables, and what is the outcome of it? So, you know, you kind of have to balance. Well, do you want more landfill from food waste, or do you want more landfill in plastics, or do you want more plastics? But it's not going to be recycled anyway because our society and infrastructure cannot handle it. So you got to pick your battles, and I think. Um, the most important thing is that you just gotta look at it from a point of view. For my example, is what has the greatest benefit to the environment, and for me, that is the food waste issue.、Um, so I've never had—I mean, yes, I've had—but it goes back to my mission and values. And even to this day, I mean, this is a personal note:、um, why I'm so passionate about food waste. Not only was it ingrained in me,、um, like I said before. But even to this day, my parents have this thing. When I was a kid, I had to eat every single piece, every little bit of rice in my bowl from dinner, lunch, whatever it was, because they had put a fear in me that how many pieces of rice left in my bowl—that's how many pimples my future husband's gonna have. <laughs> so. <laughs> like every day, I'm like, okay, I gotta finish even just this one little bit of rice on my bowl. I, I still do it to this day, even at home when no one's watching. <laughs> right.、Oh, that's a, yeah. That's a, sounds like a strong motivation for sure. I can imagine.、Um, so, Sviya,、so、I'm kind of.、Uh, I like to also ask this、um, question of、uh, interviewees as well,、uh, especially just given、uh, what、uh, you know, rainforest's mission is,、um, and.、Uh, I'd just like to throw it out: Is why Calgary?、Um, is there a reason, or what is it that、uh, about being in Calgary that、um, you know makes you think this is going to be really effective here?、Um, yeah, what what,、uh, what kind of draws you here? I, I can remember if you maybe said right at the start there, if you、uh, when you immigrated to Canada, if Calgary was your first stop, or、um, yeah, just tell us a bit about what you think makes. You know, Calgary、uh, receptive to this、uh, mission that you're on. Yeah, I mean, I think being so close to the mountains and、um, Calgary, known as 
you know, a young, vibrant city with tons of energy is it's definitely a huge bonus. And even when I moved away, I moved away to um, Australia and just traveled Southeast Asia for, you know, almost two years of my life in, you know, a couple of years ago. And even during my travels, you know, I still missed home. I didn't realize how great Calgary was until I, I lived here and then I moved away for a bit and then I came back. So it's it's just a young, vibrant city. I think we're very progressive in our thinking. Um, sure, there, you know, every city, they have their pros and cons. But, you know, in Calgary, even if you, if you look at how many cool craft breweries that we have, we have about, I think, like 37 almost 37 different craft breweries here in Calgary. And I don't think you can see that in, you know, in a city. I love Edmonton, don't get me wrong, but I think Edmonton only has about what, 10, 15. So it's very cool. And even the food scene, um, it's very culturally diverse. Um, it's very receptive to change. Um, we've gone through crazy recessions and we're still kind of in a recession right now, but we've always persevered. So I love Calgary. I think it's a... Um, it's a great city for entrepreneurs, um, for forward thinkers, and and yeah, super excited to be. I guess not to be cliche, but part of the energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for that, and I should um, should uh, sort of make clear. I guess I didn't at the start. Uh, both uh, Sophia and I do reside in Calgary, call it our home. Uh, so for any of you um, Edmonton listeners, uh, of course, because uh, uh, yeah, rainforest um, now spreading out through the province. Um, yeah, some uh, some little healthy rivalry talk there. I think in the area for um, Edmontonians stuff their game, perhaps on the, the craft brewer uh, uh, locales, eh? Just on that, I, I love Edmonton. So I, I travel up there all the time. So I absolutely love Edmonton. And it, that's a rare thing for a Calgarian to say. <laughs> uh, you know, if there's something I, I feel like um, I've noticed having been born and raised um, in, in Alberta, uh, that, you know, it's organizations like um, uh, Rainforest uh, and the efforts that are being made. Um, in the uh, innovative uh, aspect of the economy are, are creating tons of bridges, I think, between the two cities. And I think uh, Rainforest right at the forefront there. And it's such a cool thing to see, um, yeah, from someone who's lived here. And it sounds like, yeah, you share that, that feeling. Yeah, it's cool. Completely. And I mean, even the hub of um, the hub of Alberta food innovation is in Edmonton, just because that's our capital. So um, yeah, they have tons of cool innovators up there. Um, biotech, it's it's amazing. Something that uh, I myself, just on a personal note, uh, sometimes uh, you know struggled with. I, I go um, you know back and forth a bit uh, on this subject of social enterprise um, and and what it means. Sometimes it just what I mean by back and forth is a little bit that it feels very nebulous at times, like doesn't really have a strong meaning, but then in certain contexts, I feel like it's given such clarity. Um, I'm just kind of curious to get your, your thoughts. Again, this is a pretty open-ended question, but uh, what does social enterprise mean to you? Yeah, so a social enterprise, to me anyway, I don't think there's a legal definition of it. I mean, is there really a legal definition in you know, these gray area things? But um, to me, a social enterprise really has two goals is um, one is just to achieve any kind of social, cultural, um, economic or environmental impact in our business. And the second is to earn revenue. So I am measured by both social good and profits. Um, so, for example, like our social mission um, to reduce food waste, to help people in the community. Um, this is the core of our business. 
And the income generating part plays an important supporting role, but it's not the main role. So unlike the Amazons of the world, um, our profits are used to fund social causes and programs. Um, and I hope that makes a little bit more sense um, because really an ethical business, um, we have great ethical business here, but their first and you know foremost is to account for the shareholders, um, to make sure that they're generating you know enough return on an annual basis. Um, but ours is really focused on our social mission. Um, and like I said, you know, earning profits is a great, it's a great factor. It's a good, it's a good thing because it moves our social programs forward. But you know what, Mark, it's funny that you say you kind of struggle on it because even our, our government, uh, the Canadian government struggles to understand, um, and they have their own issue with legally defining it. Uh, In fact, there's only two provinces in Canada that has done that that has defined a social enterprise. And unfortunately, Alberta is not one of them. So you're not the only one. Um, Even our own government has it. But I mean, in layman's terms, it's for me, there's, yeah, we're just measured by both social good and profits. So um, when you came to, when you you kind of come to the conclusion that uh, you wanted to take this this action um, and, you know, focus on the uh, repurposing the grains from brewing process, um, you know, because I can kind of think, I think you may have mentioned uh, one earlier, uh, you know, some nonprofit society structured organizations that are tackling this problem, like the leftovers, um, uh, is it leftovers YYC? I should fact check myself on the name there. But um, yeah, was there, you know, did you find yourself kind of contemplating um, different structures? Did you know right from the get-go that you wanted to make this, um, you know, a, a business entity with the social enterprise um, aspect to it? Or, yeah, how did that process take place for you? Yeah, there was no doubt in my mind that I wanted to, I mean, at first I wanted to be a nonprofit, but like I said, the, the legal way, I couldn't make a profit as a nonprofit or even as a registered charity because I really want to make sure that I do social good and social impact. That is what drives me forward every day is to know that I'm doing good on the on my end, uh, according to the planet and the people in our community. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely struggled in the very beginning to say, well, should I be a nonprofit or should I be a social enterprise? Um, because I, I didn't have that choice as a social enterprise legally here in Alberta. But um, yeah, I think I would encourage everybody to say, like, what is your focus and what is your goal? Is it to make revenue? Is it to make revenue while doing good in community? Or is it the other way around, doing great in your community and making a profit to support all that good in the community? So I think that's, you know, a very defining way in in how I came up with the process. Um, like I said, day one, and it still drives me every day, is is what is my purpose and what is my mission is to, you know, help the planet, essentially, and people in the community. You know, I think through um, a lot of the conversations I've had uh, with yourself and with lots of um, entrepreneurs, uh, I'm really happy to kind of hear you discuss that that drive um, that is provided to you by pursuing this mission. Uh, It seems so crucial, Um, but I feel like there's also um, along the way for um, a lot of people engaged in business that those uh, milestones or, you know, those points of pride that uh, you get uh, get to your achievements. I'm wondering if uh, you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, as uh, humble as I know you to be, uh, tell us about some of the things that you feel like you've achieved through CoRISE uh, that you can kind of look back on maybe at a time where you are feeling like it's a little difficult and think, um, you know, I'm really proud of that, uh, that achievement. Does anything like that stand out in your mind? Oh, man. 
this is a this is a floating moment. I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the achieving moment is for me to know that I'm rescuing. Um, you know, over you know, in just a short period of time that I've been running, you know, we've you know saved almost, and I think it's over now, like a thousand pounds of um, of grains from the landfill. And by doing that, like what a really cool thing that I had to think about is not only just, you know, just the grains itself and and not beating the people that are in need. But I also had to think of it from a different perspective is that not a lot of people when they're thinking like, okay, yeah, great. You save like a thousand pounds. What do you do? Um, You know, there's, you know, over 70,000 there. That's every single day that's being wasted. But if you think about how much resources it takes to grow that, to grow those grains, to grow the produce that are in your fridge, in the grocery shelves. I I mean, I can just speak to the grains here. Um, For me, it takes about, I think it was like the last time I checked and and scientists, um, it takes a thousand liters of water just to produce um, and process and grow a new pound of grains for just the brewing process. So just imagine all the resources. Um, and also, if you're thinking from, I don't know, like, like a farmer's perspective, for the farmer, and they're like one, they're the hardest working people. And, you know, like kudos to, to people in farming, because I think that that has to be such a passion um, and, and such hard work to go into it. But if you think of from a farmer's perspective, like if they're doing this and they're growing, they're pouring their heart and soul, money, you know, you know time, energy, you're wasting essentially a quarter um, of their resources because we're just ending up throwing it away. So I really have to think of it from a standpoint, not, not just like, well, okay, I upcycled, you know, these thousand pounds of grains, but I'm also rescuing um, the resources that it takes to grow a new pound and not to waste the efforts on the other end that it takes to grow that pound originally. So I think like that, it, to me, I think a lot of people forget that where they're just like, oh, it's just produce. But if you think of like all, all the steps it takes to grow that pound of produce, um, you'll have a new appreciation for it. So I think like that's one of the um, glowing moments for me um, was realizing that from an impact level. Um, and of course, like, uh, you know, for, for us, um, we always want to make sure that, that we're supporting people in the community. And one of the driving forces was to help people with, um, you know, for me, I suffer from depression um, and uh, social isolation, you know, happens in my family. So um, for me, I really want to make sure that there's programs in place. And that's where pet companionship comes in. So we actually placed about 22 um, family members with their new family, I would say fur babies, uh, to their new family members and improve their lives. Um, and then, of course, some of the milestones, we just got recognition um, in Made in Alberta Awards for our cookies. So the more people know about our product, I think the more um, the more the message is amplified with food waste. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, people like yourself that supported me from day one uh, with Rainforest, um, Business Link, Momentum, they're all in it together. And I have a great support system. Oh, very good. Um, yeah, I'm just, I think uh, we're getting close to time to wrap up here. Uh, so I wanted to more, uh, 
more open-ended. Uh, well, I guess maybe perhaps two more questions if you felt inclined. Um, one, I'm just kind of curious if you have, uh, you know, you may or may not be able to speak to this, uh, but uh, if you have any kind of, you know, upcoming uh, collaborative opportunities uh, within the ecosystem here that you're, even if it's just exploratory, um, or kind of maybe what's next uh, for CoRISE. Um, and then, of course, just, yeah, if you have any, uh, any final thoughts or wisdom you want to share for anyone else who might be thinking about uh, taking the leap into, into opening up a company like you have. Yeah, so I can't really disclose too much of the secrets because <laughs> then the element of surprise is, is gone. But um, yeah, I do have a couple of collaborations coming up and uh, one being a prominent brewery in Edmonton. Um, so like I said, love Edmonton. <laughs> uh, and and uh, of course, you know, a couple of the ones here in Calgary as well. And um, yeah, and a couple of the local organizations that are tackling the food waste issue. Um, we're always in uh, collaboration together. So stay tuned. And for, for up and coming entrepreneurs, I mean, it was it was seriously a hard jump um, from, you know, leaving a six figure job, you know, cushy nine to five to going full time and being a social entrepreneur. But I think for making that jump, I'm definitely a lot happier. I mean, it's a different level of stress, but it's a happy stress knowing that you you're making a difference and you are you're you're being I mean, kind of like the Gandhi quote, you're being the change that you want to see in the world. So, um, yeah, I would really encourage people to take that leap of faith. And uh, and don't forget that there's a whole network of support out there. Um, that are more than happy to help you out along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, of course, uh, Rainforest, uh, our hosts uh, for the podcast, uh, being a, a big piece of that. Um, and I love that you mentioned Momentum. Yeah, I'm very familiar with their work and think they do great stuff. Um, Business Link as well. So you're right that there's, uh, there's lots of support um, and yeah, very welcoming communities, uh, I find. And I hope that that's been other people's experience as well. So, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Sophia, for taking the time out of your busy day to share some of these thoughts and help us get to know you a little better. Um, yeah, we're very grateful to have your, your insights. Thank you again. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>